Hello, how are you? Welcome to the friggin' podcast. Friggin', that's a popular word in the East Coast of Canada, friggin'. And it's a very, it's a nice word to use. You know, instead of saying fucking all the time, you say friggin'. I go to corporate shows and sometimes, you know, they got to be cleaner. So what you do is you just throw in a few frigs where a few fucks were. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, he's such a gentleman. What a gentleman. He said friggin' cunt. You know? <laughs> no, but, you know, you say friggin' instead of fuck. But I got to tell you, it takes the sting right out of the joke. Like, you know, I know. And people are like, well, you know, if you were really funny, you wouldn't have to swear. I know that. Did I say I was really funny? No. I say fuck if it's effective. Look, I'm just... Guys, I'm just trying to do a job. I'm up there trying to make people laugh. I'm standing up in front of 200 people usually at a comedy club or maybe more if it's a festival or some kind of fucking uh, theater, right? And I'm just trying to make people laugh. And I'm, I'm, I got to stay true to myself. I say fuck in real life too much. I say it too much. My wife says, please stop saying fuck. Our baby is learning to speak. His first word's going to be fuck. Now, see, look at this. I mean, I I get new listeners to the podcast all the time, you know. There are people, there's promotion going on. You know, there's there's word of mouth, perhaps, happening. And now I've started this with a pile of fucks. I threw a cunt in there earlier. My God, it's just, this is a bad way. It's a bad way to get off, to get off the hop with someone new. I'm sorry, new person who's listening to the podcast. It's not constant littered with filth. You know, it, it makes me think about uh, Steve. Steve, one of our one of one of the longtime listeners of the podcast. Steve, the great Canadian athlete guy I work out with next to at the gym sometimes. His dad apparently listens to the podcast, and his dad is a retired minister. Now I'm assuming that's in the religious sense. Because when I said it to my wife, she was like, what, Minister of Finance? Because she's fucking, she's got a lawyer brain. So she thinks, uh, she thinks about ministers that way. But I'm, I'm from, you know, the east coast of Canada, from a small town. When someone says minister, I'm picturing a man who is priestly, you know? And that's what I think. That's what the great Canadian athlete Steve was saying. He seems like the son of a minister. He's, he's very well-mannered, you know? He's very polite, well-spoken. He seems like, you know, he has a good moral center. I don't I don't know him that well. He could be a serial killer, for all I know, the great Canadian serial killer. But uh, I know him a little bit better because we went to dinner a little while ago. Not just me and Steve on some kind of homosexual adventure, even though I'm fine with that. If that's what people... If, you, can, you can insinuate that about me all you want. That offends me not at all. I'm a fan of the homosexuals. Big fan. Go out and be gay. Big fan. Anyway, I started talking about saying frig at the corporate shows. And now I'm now I'm I'm into dinner already. I didn't I didn't intend uh to do the dinner story right off the bat, but here we go. So um Nick the bodybuilder, who we all know from previous podcasts, the man he's a lovely man who's very troubled in the romantic department he's just he's 
He's just constantly, he's got the shittiest, would you call it shittiest luck? Sometimes, though, sometimes if you get a string of them in a row, you know, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. And I think it is Nick. And uh, I think in a in a kind of a good way, he's a good man. So what he does is he attracts women who, you know, they they think that they can take advantage of him. They're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit as a human being. Who's going to accept me and all my horrific lifestyle choices? Nick, he, he'll do it. He'll accept me. He's nice. And, you know, he does. He accepts them. But he, to his credit, he always, he always leaves them, lead, he dumps them, sticks them on the curb, says, you know what? Uh, I don't want you in my life. You're insane. But he doesn't say it that way. Apparently, he told me the other day at the gym that he writes them like a long email, you know, telling them what great people they are and the qualities about them that they really, that he admires, you know, and then he, he and he says, but, you know, this isn't kind of what I'm looking for right now. It's just, uh, I need something different. And um, so one of the girls wrote him back recently and she was like, oh, thanks for the note. Bye. Something like that, you know, and I'm putting the inflection in there. Email doesn't come with inflection. It should. It should come with inflection because you so you know what people are saying, because for all maybe she said, hey, thanks for the email. Bye. But, you know, you know, she didn't. Right. You know, she was like, oh, yeah, thanks for the email. Fuck face. Bye. And Nick was kind of like that's that hurts me. And I'm like, dude, you can't. There's nothing you can do in that situation. You're rejecting a woman. You know, that's going to that's. That's not going to make her feel good. So, of course, she's going to write back, go fuck yourself. You know, that's, that is, I, I think that that's fine. I still think it's a very nice thing that Nick does to try to, to try to say, here are your good qualities. Let's ignore your bad qualities. And like, because what a lot of guys will do is they just won't call them back or they'll let them text them constantly and the guy will just keep ignoring them until the girl goes away. And, um, that's a shitty. That's a shitty thing to do. You can't do that. So Nicky, he's he's, you know, he's a stand-up guy, and uh, he he tells the ladies this is this is the reality of the situation. I'm looking for my soulmate or whatever the fuck he says, because uh, Nick is he's looking for that connection. You know, unlike me, I was never looking for that. Uh, you know, I really wasn't. Maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the key to marriage and uh, life in general. You just, you don't go looking for it. I was pursuing stand-up. I actually was moving to Los Angeles at the time when I met my wife, and uh, I had no interest in women whatsoever. Well, you know, it's not. I didn't have an interest in men either. But like I said, not that that matters. I'm a fan of the homosexuals. But I... um. I would just plan basically to uh, hook up with my now wife and then just kind of be like, okay, see ya. That was nice. You seem like a nice lady. Bye-bye. And uh, she really had thought the same thing because she also, when she met me, she knew I was a comedian who was about to move to Los Angeles. Neither one of us realized the deep bond that could not be broken, right, (laughs) guys? Fucking... No, but, you know, we just tried a long distance. People always say, oh, long distance never works. Well, guess what, fuckfaces? I'm in a marriage of, I'm going to say six years. I don't know if that's right, but uh, I think that's right. We got married in 2010. Yes, 
There we go. 2010. Six-year marriage. Started long distance. It started long distance. Well, so maybe that's, maybe that's a difference. Maybe if something starts long distance, it can keep going long distance. Anyway, whatever. Listen. All you ministers out there, let, let me get back to the point. What was my fucking point? I'm back in my car, as you can probably tell from the screaming. I just wanted to get away from the family for a minute, you know, to uh, to try to do the podcast with no holes barred, you know, so I could, like, for instance, the thing I just, the stuff I just said about my wife, I probably wouldn't have said that if she was right in the room, you know? Well, no, I probably would have. I probably would have. And then she'd give me the stink eye, but she doesn't care. That's one of the reasons this marriage works. I get up on stage, I say whatever. I, in the podcast, I say whatever. And she's all like, ah, fucking who cares? She knows the real deal. You know? Who gives a shit? Make some jokes. You can't take things too seriously. Right? So anyway. Speaking of Nick and Steve, the great Canadian athlete, we, uh, we all went to dinner the other night. Now, it was a Saturday night. We all went to dinner. We went to a... Uh, some kind of restaurant in Toronto. It was a, a buffet. I'm not going to mention the name of the buffet, and you will know why as this story progresses. So, Nick, I, I mean, really, it was a guy, Cam, I, I believe, Cam, the police officer. I don't, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a great nickname for Cam. He wears a lot of Under Armour, you know. So do I, but he looks cooler in his. So maybe I'll call him the. The Under Armour cop? No, I can't. I already know his name. I knew his name before a nickname, you know? So you can't you can't jimmy in a nickname after that. The Cam Cop? I don't know. Anyway, Cam apparently wanted everybody at the gym who who talks. We all we all, you know, congregate and we talk about shit and we make fun of that guy Beardy. And uh, if if you don't know who Beardy is, go back and listen to the old podcast. Beardy is uh, is our nemesis. He's a guy at the he works at the gym and he's a mean man. I'd say no frigs to him. He gets fucks all day long. Not good fucks. Not sexual fucks. Angry fucks. Wait, I guess I guess that could be sexual fucks too. Angry fucks. Oh man, it just listen. This is because Steve told me his dad listens. The second I find out that there is a minister listening to the podcast, I am actually not doing this on purpose. I just, in my brain, I was like, you know what, man? Maybe clean it up a little bit this week. You know, maybe maybe don't go bananas. And, and it's, I'm, I'm worse. It's like beer. I have been trying to cut beer out for so fucking long because I have that, like, Skinny fat. I've got that spare tire around the stomach that's kind of, it's like cool to the touch, you know, around the hips. It's its really nice. It feels nice, actually. I often just rub it just right there, like a little bit of back fat right around the hips. And uh, pleasant to feel, not pleasant to look at. Because being skinny fat, because that's what I am. If you're looking at my pictures on my podcast or, you, you know, you've seen me perform live, you would think... Listen, don't go complaining that you're fat asshole, you know, and I won't. I would never do that because I know the struggle people go through when they're overweight. It's uh, and I would never say I mean, I'm in a 
fortunate situation in many ways in that my metabolism was always high when I was young. So I was always, even though I was a real skinny kid and I didn't like that much, but as an adult man, I would like to do one of those the more you know commercials or the it gets better commercials for skinny kids. I know that's a niche market. There's not a whole lot of um, sympathy out there for skinny kids. But let me tell you something. Uh, When you are a small male growing up and then you know you just you, it's it it's sometimes you know it it's not so easy people calling you names and stuff and girls saying i could beat you up and I, you know what fucking lisa you can't all right i'm pretty sure you can't and i uh, i i didn't i didn't like it i didn't like being small you know and then sometimes people pick on you and then you always got small kids always got to stand up for themselves and then half of them get that chip on their shoulder because they're so ready to stand up for themselves you know but anywho's i would like to do one of those commercials for those kids and go hey maybe you're too skinny for your age bracket now but when you're 40 you're going to be in better shape than most people without even trying I mean, you might not look like an Adonis. You may have a little skinny fat, little spare tire, which is cool to the touch, going around the hips. But, um, you know, at least you're not struggling, you know, to to get out of the house on a forklift. You know what I mean? Like, one of those people who they get, they get trapped in their houses and you got to, like, rip the roof off of their bungalow in uh, Texas somewhere and then... They've got to come in with a one of those cranes and just lift you out. You know, like I see, I see stories like that. They lift the guy out. What happens next? Where does he go? You just see him. You just see it with a with a harness on, and they pick him up. You know, like a like like one when, when one of the helicopters picks up one of those uh, like some cattle when they have to move them away from a forest fire. And you see them do that with with the big obese man. And then, but what's next? Does he go to the hospital? I guess he goes to the hospital and gets like liposuction. I don't fucking know. Anyway, my point is it's tough being overweight. I get it. But what I'm experiencing right now, the skinny fat is not good. Number one, number one, it is actually quite bad for your heart. They say if you are a thin person, but you have like a beer belly or like a spare tire, that's very indicative that you may have heart problems coming up quite soon. I don't like that. I don't like that. I want I want my heart. I'm pretty sure I need it. And it also, you know, it looks not so good. You know, we got a pool in our building, you know, and it's not because we're fucking loaded. It's, uh, and most buildings have pools in Toronto, I find. And we, we take the baby down to the pool sometimes. And when I get out of the pool, like, I put my hands on the on the ledge there and I pull myself up. And they've got mirrors all around the pool, unfortunately. And I can see my stomach hanging down. Like, you know, like some kind of fucking udders of, of, a, of, a, of cattle being lifted away from a forest fire. My my udders are hanging down. So anyway, the what I'm saying is I'm trying to cut out the beer because of that. But then the very fucking thought of cutting out the beer makes me drink more beer. I have beer in the car right now in the garage. Because what happened was before my podcast, I go, Well, I'm out of beer, and that can't that can't stand. 
We can't just live our lives with no beer in the fridge. So I went and I drove to the LCBO, which is the uh, Ontario. Listen, if you're listening to this in Taiwan, here's the thing. If you come to Ontario, you can only buy liquor at designated liquor stores. Uh, They, you know, they just changed some rules. Now you can buy it at the grocery store. But for the most part, most of your booze you have to buy at uh, a government sanctioned building. Sounds like Big Brother here, but it's it's not so bad. There's lots of liquor stores around. Government loves to make money off the booze. So uh, anyway, I, I got I got the booze. Well, not booze. Lick. I got I got the beer, and it's in the car. And I'm not gonna drink it on the podcast because listen, that I think that'd be taking it too far. It's one thing to be yelling in the middle of the night in your car on a microphone into your little Zoom recorder, but if you're also drinking beer in the, i i just think at that point you should be stopped you know i would serve me right that some cop just knocks on the window is like dude this is fucking what are you doing what are you doing so i'm not going to do it and hear that as i'm saying it i want to do it no you know so to get back to what i was saying is that the more I try to not drink the beer, the more I want to drink the beer. And don't get me wrong. I'm not some kind of crazy, you know, alcoholic chuggy chug. I'm not I'm not pounding nine beers a night or some shit, you know, eight max. No, but I'm, I'm just I, I have a beer or two in an evening, usually just one. But if I don't have it, I start to get a little antsy. But then then I got then I got the skinny fat. So I'm like, you know what? I don't care. If you get a little antsy and you want, like it's it's my wind down, you know. Some people they smoke the reefer, right? Some people uh, meditate. Some people uh, masturbate. Sorry, Steve's dad, but I like to uh, drink a beer and masturbate. <laughs> no, I just I just like I like to have a beer in the evening watching a hockey game, and um, or if I'm out at a show, you know, of course I'm going to get a beer out there. And that was the whole, the reason I'm saying is that the more I try to resist something, the more I do it. Uh, when I found out Steve's minister dad is listening to it, I just, just went, okay, you know what? Maybe don't, maybe don't go bananas. But listen to this podcast so far. It's been 18 minutes of fuck this and fuck that and masturbate into your beer can. I'm sorry. And I still haven't gotten to my story about the dinner. Jesus, I when I started the podcast, I told my wife when I was I said, well, I'm going down to the car now, you know, like a lunatic. And um, as I'm going to do the podcast, I said, I, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And I'm like, oh, I got the dinner story and the cleaner story. And she was like, yeah, you got lots to say. And it's true. I have those two stories, but I haven't even started them. There's something wrong with me. I just once I start yapping, I don't know where I'm going to go. You know, I'm not really like this on stage. On stage, I have I have a, a planned amount of material I'd like to do. But this is why I love this fucking podcast. This is what I love about it. I'm free. I'm, I'm free of judgment. Oh, and that's another thing I want to talk about. Okay, I got three things to talk about. Dinner, uh, cleaning people, and uh, festivals. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me Let me get to these three things, please. No judgment. 
That's what I love. And the podcast, there's very few things because this is, it's, sure, it's a promotion tool. Sure, it's a thing that can get people to come see your comedy. It's a thing that can get people, uh, it's a nice product. It's less of a promotion tool and more of a product. It's something to add to, you know, your output in the world. So I'm a comedian and I want to put out comedic output. So I put out CDs, I do my live shows, and this is another thing that I get to do. And this, I got to say, it's the most fun so far. It's just the most I mean, stand-up is the most fun when you do a good show, but that that's the caveat. You got to do a good show. It has to be a full crowd, and they have to like what you're doing in order for you to really feel like you knocked it out of the park. You know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. This, that's, that's what I'm getting at. This doesn't have any pressure. And even though sometimes I put sometimes I put a little pressure on myself, like I think to myself about other comedians in the scene, maybe checking it out. They're like, "Oh, hey, Bennett's got a podcast. I wonder what the fuck his podcast is about." Uh, let's see who his guests are, and then they're like, "He has no guests. What's he doing? He's just ripping off Bill Burr. He's just gonna and it's not ripping off Bill Burr. All right, and I tell you that right fucking now. You know, I resisted. I'm a truth teller though. This podcast clearly because I resisted saying Bill Burr's name." On, I think, all my other podcasts. And the reason is, is I didn't want directly to be compared to Bill Burr. Because Bill Burr has an amazing podcast. Now I'm telling people to go to listen to that instead of my own. And I don't give a shit. He deserves it. He's, um, he's so funny. He's a great comedian. But he's got this podcast. And he's been doing a podcast since 2007. You know? And it's just him ranting on his own. And I love it. And, and and I know a lot of people also love it. It's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. So what he does, so so a lot of people are copying what he's doing. And you can say, hey, Mark, you're one of those people. And I say, you're fucking right I am. Because sometimes if something's good, you should do it. What are you, oh, oh, it's just... You, you made a TV show? Why? Because, you know, you, other people made TV shows? Yes. Yes, people found out it was a great idea to make 30-minute sitcoms. So Friends was made. That's how things work. He did. I loved his idea that he didn't want to have guests. I heard him say on a on a fucking talk show that he said, I didn't want it to feel like work. And it was scheduling guests and getting people to come in. That feels like a job to me. And I didn't want to do it. And that's why he's been able to do one since 2007. That's 10 fucking years. So now that's what I'm doing. And I'm not. I'm. I'm not copying Bill Burr. All right? All right? You know, you don't hear me go, oh, Jesus. Or lady. Or uh, computer. Even though I just did it. I don't give a fuck. It, we're different people. We both say fuck, sure. But so, do, so does everyone. You know, except awesome guys like Brian Regan. And I mean that sincerely. I love Brian Regan. He doesn't swear, but I love him. And uh, one of the best comics of all time. I'm sure I've mentioned him before, Brian Regan. And, uh, but that's it. I just love his idea. And, you know, he's also got friends. Like Paul Verzi is another guy, nice man. I met him at a comedy club recently. He, he's got his own podcast where he just does the same thing. Because, like, so if you, if you do a podcast and you interview people, People don't go, oh, you're trying to fucking copy Mark Marin, are you? Oh, you're trying to copy David Letterman. You're going to interview people on your show? So just because I'm rambling on my own, does that, 
you know, you know, the funny part is no one has accused me in any way, shape or form of copying Bill Burr. I am just literally I'm projecting that onto a fictitious group of people in the comedy scene. And I'm sorry, comedians who may have tuned in to perhaps see what I'm up to for assuming that you think I'm copying Bill. I'm not. And uh, and you don't think so either. But that's the thing about this podcast. That's what I'm talking about with the no judgment. It's really hard to uh, not think about the other comics in when you're doing your shit, you know? Because if you're at a club, other comics are there, you know? And it, it sure, it makes sense if you're worried that Jerry Seinfeld is watching your routine. He's seeing you for the first time. You'd, you'd want to impress Jerry Seinfeld. Obviously, everybody gets that. But even at your, your own level, your peers, you want your peers to think you're good. Or yeah, you want them to, to find you funny or laugh in the back when you say things. You know, you want to be a comics comic. Everybody wants that. You know, when, but you also want to please the audience, a bunch of strangers. So if you can do both, that's great. But I find that I'm paranoid, and a lot of comedians are paranoid, that... They're sure they're maybe they're pleasing the audience, but they're not really making the people in the back laugh. The other comics, the other comics are talking shit about him. You know, they're like, oh, this guy, he's not a real, he's not the real deal. He's not a, this guy, he's nothing to write home about. Let's just, let's not watch his show. Let's just sit in the back and fucking blah, 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 talk about our, how awesome we are. You know, it's hard not to think, especially right now. Okay, so now I'm going, I was going to do dinner first, cleaning ladies second, and uh, festivals third, but I'm into the festival stuff now. Like I told you people, I don't know where I'm fucking going. I don't know where I'm going when I start speaking. Festivals. Now, it's hard not to think about the other comedians or the, the way the industry looks at you. When it's this time of year in Canada, because this time of year in Canada is a fucking just for laughs festival. Now, I don't know if you could pick up from my tone there. I'm a little... I'm not I'm not bitter. Let's not go that far, for Christ's sake. I'm not bitter. What it is, is that Just for Laughs is this... Um, it's a international comedy festival. I'm sure a lot of you know what it is. And so it's it's most of the Canadian comedians. It's their goal to get an, into that festival as many times as they can. And I've I've gone. I went once. Uh, it was uh, what twelve years ago, maybe. Um, I had just started comedy, and I I uh, did well. I did, I was doing well for a young guy, and they put me in something called the Homegrown competition, which is they they take uh, what they say are the best young talents in Canada and they put them all together and then you try to finish first, second uh, or that that's all. Number If you finish first or second, you get more shows at the festival. That That's the prize. More exposure, more shows at the festival. Anyway, I went there. Uh, my set was fine. Uh, I'll get into that. Maybe I'll in a longer, in a different podcast, I'll talk about my homegrown experience because I don't want to talk about that right now. What I want to talk about is is the situation currently. So I went to the festival. It went fine. It actually went pretty well. Like I, I ended up signing with a manager, uh, and that that's when I moved to Los Angeles. You know, because I felt like we I I had some momentum going, and um. So that was what twelve years ago, and I have done 
I think, three showcases since then. And uh, showcases are, of course, the just for last people that come around and they see they see you do your seven minutes or whatever the fuck you do, and then they um, decide whether or not you go to the festival. So you obviously have no shot of going to the festival unless you're on one of these showcases when you're when you're like me. If you're a big star, yes, of course they can just they'll phone you. Could you please come? Could you please come there, Jim Jeffries, and do our festival? All right. That's my Australian right there. All right. Um, but for me, you know, I have to showcase. And I don't even get the showcases. And you're like, well, Mark, maybe you suck. Well, maybe you suck. No, like, I, I know I do pretty well. You know, I just, what it is, I know the booker. I know, I know the person who uh, will be picking the festival. And they're not interested in me. And that's fine but because what happens is i've been doing it for a nice few years now and festivals they like to book their comedians based on newness and um i'm sure they would say differently but it's true they want to they want they newness and let's go with newness and um uh originality maybe Let, let's give them some credit let's say the festival people what they what they're looking for i believe is like lightning in a bottle they want to see an up-and-comer, something different, something they haven't seen before, somebody that's going to turn into, you know, the next big comedian. And they, 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 want, to, they want someone they're excited about. Let's, that's a nice phrase. Okay? I think I summed it up well. They want someone they're excited about. And I can't blame them. I'm not going to blame you just for laughs. You, for wanting someone you're excited about, that's, that's what a lot of people want. They want they want their in their relationship. I just want to be excited. I just want to be excited. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, that's infatuation. That's not a deep connection like me and the wife we that that we had over a long distance. Sometimes, what you need is not to be excited. What you need, you need something that's solid. Something that's good, and I find that that's one that's one of the problems with the entertainment business in general. Is once, like I mean, like I, said, I went to the festival in my first year of comedy. Why? Because I was somebody new and exciting, and uh, then kind of nothing, nothing really came of it. I, you know, I went down to Los Angeles. I, I was spinning my wheels down there for three or four years. It came back here, you know, doing comedy, headlining, whatever. But that that excitement didn't turn into some kind of uh, groundswell of stardom. I didn't I didn't become uh, what's her name, Amy Amy Schumer, Amy Amy Schumer. I didn't become Amy Schumer. You know, I didn't uh, didn't become Daniel Tosh. I didn't grab the brass ring. I mean, I did. I couldn't find the brass ring. So here we are, twelve years later, and uh, even though, if on, on a showcase, almost always I'll have a good set because you know I, I'm not a doofus. I will do the material that works very well, and barring some unforeseen unfortunate circumstance i'll probably have a decent set you know it's i'm doing my best material in front of a packed crowd you know 
As long as I don't completely shit the bed, it's probably going to go okay. But they don't want to see me. And you know what? This this year is the first year I'm actually okay with that. You know? It's disappointing, obviously, for... Like, the last few years I've been disappointed by just the idea that... The, that there's not much you can do. And I know there's a lot of guys in my situation. They're really, uh, they're solid comedians, strong comedians, and they um, they just go up and do a great job, and they're funny and interesting and smart, and um, nobody gives a shit about them because they know who they are. I know it's a backward logic to think, why, well, why wouldn't you want a really good comedian at your comedy festival? You know, it's not like the audience knows who they are. It's just, but that's it. They they want the you know they want excitement. They want TV. If you, they want you to be a celebrity, they want you to be a star. They want you. Uh, that's exciting. You know, maybe if you're really good looking, that's exciting. Uh, if you're uh, new and fresh, you know, and doing something crazy and different, maybe that's exciting. Maybe Reggie Watts, and he like I don't know, he stomps on a kazoo while he kicks a cymbal. You know, that's exciting. I guess. And I don't hate Reggie Watts. I just I just find it odd to call what he does stand up comedy. And he's he's just he's an interesting fellow. And I and I don't know. And maybe that's what they're looking for. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm a fucking dinosaur. Look at this old piece of shit. He just gets up on stage and tells jokes. Who the fuck does he think he is? Somebody get a helicopter with a harness. Put that guy into a forest fire. Fuck him. And his, I, I want to be funny. You know what I realize? I'm yelling so much, I think I'm going hot on the microphone. I'm sorry if this has been buzzing, everybody. I'll turn it down just a smidge. Turn it down. Sorry about that. The point I was making is, that uh, I, I'm really not going to get to this fucking story, am I? About the dinner and the cleaning ladies. Oh, my. You know what? I'm going to do another podcast, guys, in uh, two days. And I, I, I'm going to do... I do two a week. I'm going to do two podcasts a week until I'm dead. Okay? And I'm going to do another podcast in a couple of days. It's just I really didn't think this festival thing was going to rile me up like this. But it did... And I'm making the microphone hot. Who knows? I might have to record this whole fucking thing all over again. And if I do that, oh, man. Steve, your dad is going to hear some fucks then, I tell you. Because I, I'm just, uh, I don't know. Don't like doing stuff twice. Tell you that much. So the festivals, they want someone exciting. All right. I believe we've established that. This year, I don't give a fuck that I'm not exciting. Okay? And that isn't sour grapes. That's not me. That's not me rationalizing. I cuz last year I was probably rationalizing cuz last year I said, "I don't care." But, you know, then I cried for an hour, right? No. But I I I did care. Like, I, I always care. You always want to be, you would you would like for people to go, hey, I think you're a really good comedian. Could you come do our, our very prestigious festival? Yeah, that'd be, sure, that'd be nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. I imagine is what people say. 
if they're asked. But this year, you see, I don't know. This is the first time I've taken the bull by the balls. All right? I I've started handling my own career. And of course I've always handled it, but I haven't I haven't steered it by doing things like podcasts or social media bullshit, you know? Of course I'm on social media, but I haven't used it as a direct method of letting people know I exist, you know, as a comedian. You know, I just kind of just whatever organically happened, whatever, you know, if, if I picked up a few Twitter followers here and there from, you know, but now it's a, it's a directed approach. I'm buying fucking ads, buying ads on the social media. I'm letting people know about the podcast. I'm letting people know about, about me and about my shows and what's coming up. You know, I'm going to rent some theaters, probably some small theaters, try to do some shows that way, you know, and then, then just for laughs, we'll come talking to me. And uh, and that's not one of these like vengeance, you know, like oh, they're gonna come talking to me. It's like no, that's just the practical reality of the situation. Is like I said, they want something that they have a little buzz about it, you know. And if you have a lot of YouTube subscribers and a lot of Twitter followers, and and uh, you know your podcast is popular, then then there's a reason for those guys to book you on the show and. In truth, as I told my good friend and funny comedian Daryl Purvis, who is in a similar boat to me in terms of these festivals going, oh, hey, man, thanks for doing a great job on the show. We'll never use you. Uh, He's in the same similar boat because he's just been doing comedy so long. They know who he is and they just don't give a shit anymore. You know, they like him, but, uh, you know, he doesn't give them, you know, boners or lady boners, depending on who's booking the festivals. Where was I? The fuck was I talking about? All right. So I was saying to Daryl Purvis, I said, listen up, Daryl Gordon Purvis. That's his middle name. This year, I don't mind because I want some time to actually develop myself this way, the way I'm going now. I'm excited about it. Because if they picked me this year, it would be because every festival... And everybody, everybody who does anything, they all think they're doing you a huge favor. And sometimes they are. But for the most part, they're not. For the most part, you know, they pick you because you can help their festival. Everybody, everybody is interested in self-preservation. You know, everyone is um, out for number one. You know, I don't blame them for that. That's, yeah. You know, if you get, uh, you know, let's pick somebody famous. And uh, popular right now. Who's popular? Jim Gaffigan. You get Jim Gaffigan going to your festival, you're going to sell some motherfucking tickets. Because he's a popular man. You get Mark Bennett at your festival, they're like, huh? Who gives a shit? Who's that guy? I don't know him. I hear he's got a great podcast. See, the thing is, if they actually had, if I'd showcase this year, you know, God forbid I I get a fucking showcase. (laughs) Anyway, but if I showcase this year, and they picked me, it kind of would be them. It would be them? Yeah. It would be them. <laughs> Let's just start a new sentence, all right? No editing. No bullshit. It would be, just for laughs, 
kind of doing me a favor. In fact, more than kind of, definitely doing me a favor. I'd be a, they would have picked a guy from obscurity who doesn't have a big name and put him on some shows and given me a chance to excel in the comedy world. And while that would be, you know, a nice stroke of luck, it also probably wouldn't lead to a lot of things. Like, I've seen guys exactly like that. Guys have been kicking at the can 20 years and just for the last finally says, you know what, why don't you come on and do our big show? You'll do seven minutes at a gala, they're called, and it'll be nationally televised, and it's the big, it's the big performance, and everyone will get to see who you are. And then they do their seven minutes, and then they're never heard from again. Because there was nothing behind their selection. They were just, it was, it'd be, it's a one and done. You know, I want, if I go there or, or go to any Aspen, whatever, any festivals, you know, if I'm over in London somewhere, I want there to be a follow-up. And by doing this shit, the, these, this social media, the podcasts, you know, the advertising, the going out and doing shows and, 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 and just marketing, you know, I, I, I have a business degree. All right. I didn't learn fuck all, but I feel like I feel like for the first time I'm learning something about business. It's a lot of the the comedians. That's our problem. They don't know anything about business. I am one of them. And that's why I'm 38. And I just got shit all going on. You know, I'm just a lunatic in his car with a nice feeling, squishy spare tire around his hips. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. I'm excited. I'll tell you what else I'm excited about. It's talking to you guys another couple of days about the fucking restaurant that me and all the gym people went to. And also the cleaning lady fiasco that is happening. These That's what's called a teaser right there. You see how the marketing that I'm learning this whole time. You're thinking to yourself, can't wait till he gets to those stories. Oh, my God, those stories are going to blow my mind, probably, is what you're thinking. And now you're, you're just, you'll have to tune in in a couple of days and hear the rest of this shit. If I don't forget about it, which I probably will. So once again, thanks for listening to me be an absolute and utter lunatic. And um, to all the uh, bookers at Just for Laughs who are obviously listening, you know what I'm saying is true. I believe I I don't blame you guys. Don't go picking me. I don't want to be picked. You know, I'm like that guy who who breaks up with the girl because she's trying to dump him. No, no, but I no, I honestly don't. I don't. Don't you fucking pick me because I am creating a groundswell of excitement and I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of it. All I can say is thanks from the bottom of my heart. Uh, to all of my listeners, especially the ministers out there, you guys fucking keep on praying for me, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is ministers do, or, or maybe my wife is right. Keep on uh, governing for me. And uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks so much. I said shut up. Good night.